Welcome to The Power of Digital Policy, a show that helps digital marketers, online communications directors, and others throughout the organization balance out risks and opportunities created by using digital channels. Here's your host, Christina Podner. Hi, everyone. As you know, digital policies are an opportunity for us all to do great work, be innovative, achieve organizational goals, but also minimize risk. That takes mindfulness and deliberate actions, which is why I'm honored to have with us today Amaranato Robi. Amaranato is a former Buddhist monk and now a mindfulness-based executive and agile mindset coach and a scrum master with a degree in AI. He helps people and organizations stay calm and connected in complex situations so they can awaken to their true potential. Amaranato, welcome to the Power of Digital Policy. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, well, it's really great to be on the podcast. And uh, um, what I would say is that although mindfulness is sometimes seen as doing something deliberate and and uh, and slow, in order to do things fast, you need the slowness. If you really, if you really want to speed up things, you really want to make decisions quickly, then you need to know what decisions you're making. And so, mindfulness. And awareness gives you choice. Yeah. And so first of all, you have to start by slowing down so that when actually the event happens itself, you can make that decision. And that that decision can be, I'm going to stop. I'm going to do it. And I'm not quite sure why I'm going to do it, but I trust in it. And I trust that that, that will uh, be for the benefit of the, the team, the program, the software, whatever it is. Uh, so it's the ability to really make choices, which mindfulness has a big uh, impact on. So that's really interesting because I think that the gut reaction in most organizations that I've been inside of, there's always this level of chaos, it seems, even in the most well-run organizations, there's a level of chaos. And I think that that's maybe in large part due to the fact that, you know, digital is a little bit chaotic. We're doing things for the very first time. We're innovating. We're being creative, which you want, right? But you also, like you said, want to be sort of mindful, um, especially when it comes to things like consequences. And and I th- think that those are extreme in some environments, less so in others, right? Uh, agreed. And I, I think it's important to distinguish between chaos and complexity. So chaos is always trouble. Uh, except in, in the creative world, it's quite good. You know, you want to be chaotic because you can get creative ideas. But in general, if there's too much chaos, the way that the nervous system works, it doesn't handle it very well. And that's a lot of the situations you see when, when things are too chaotic. And uh, you need, uh, in the level of chaos, you need to make a decision, and that's why you need a really good leaders, because um, you know, and you need to be able to really make a decision. Otherwise, it gets out completely out of hand. And the field of in the field of complexity, you need to be able just to make a decision and go forward and listen to the whole system. And this is where mindfulness has a really big impact: is that you're listening to the totality of the system, where you know. And our, and our world has changed from the, you know, it's obvious, you know, from the factory line, from Ford to, to complex systems. And uh, if you're not used to thinking in that way, you're thinking A, B, C, D, it, it rarely works because that's not the nature of work anymore. That's waterfall. How do you integrate that into a team, especially like in digital? I know that you can maybe do that a little bit easier with a one-on-one executive, perhaps, or a director or just one-on-one individually. But how do you do that in a team environment? Well, teams are made up of people. 
<laughs> yes, they are. And so, uh, and so, each each person needs to bring their own self awareness to the team, and that's why I've always. I've enjoyed the, you know, the scrum master role because it's a sort of servant leader. You're looking to bring out the best. You're looking to support the group. You're looking to help them move forward. And so that's actually, it's still individual, right? And there's all sorts of creative uh, uh, exercises and things that you can do within the agile world, you know. Uh, but the, the point is to understand your own belief mechanisms. And that's what really mindfulness can really help with to, is to bring self-awareness. You know, when you're talking about like uh, security and privacy, what what's the most important thing that you can really know about security from a mindfulness point of view is that self-awareness will give you ultimate security. It will give you the ultimate personal security because you know yourself well enough. Yeah, and if you know yourself well enough, yeah, then there's a good likelihood that within the systems that you're working in, you'll notice more and so be able to... Um, uh, uh, make choice make choices about how you implement the software or the policy like from your point of view the policy yeah it's all about being aware and and usually people are not aware enough to make those decisions and the more that you become self-aware the easier it becomes you can't see me right now but i'm grinning ear to ear because uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it's making me so happy and it's making my heart sing in a way because, um, you know, I, I love policies, you know, I'm obviously a policy girl, but you know, I, I'm such a believer that policies, if they're just written things, they're nothing more than, than shelfware, right? They usually Absolutely end up. Absolutely right. Absolutely. Yeah, right. I they mean, end up. Yeah. Sorry, carry Go on. ahead. No, please. <laughs> no, I just get, no, no, I'm going to say, because, uh, my life as a monk, uh, um, you know, as a, as a Buddhist monk was followed by a lot of, if you like policy and rules. But the thing that I learned as a monk was how to be fluid with them, not 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 to be rigid, but actually how to flow with them. So both, you know, I I in the monastery I, I ran uh, these big events which needed child protection policy. You sort of things that you can't be um, uh, you can't break in a way. You know, there's certain uh, governmental things and all the rest of it. But but what you you can start then to uh, learn how to move with those rules and be fluid with them. So actually, we created a a policy that was uh, fluid. Uh, to the camp, right? And so this is the same thing you can do with teams. You can create and define your own policies, yeah, even though it might be connected to a, a, an ISO or whatever, but within your own uh, um, team, create fluidity, fluidity and aliveness. So they, so it breeds, actually, creativity. That, that's, that's what my idea of policy, my idea of structure and, and being self-aware is actually it breeds and it, uh, creativity, innovation, you know, and uh, and ultimately, it will support happiness. Those are, I think, exactly the things that we're looking for within organizations, right? We want people to be able to do things and be creative and be innovative. I mean, that's actually where the business advantage comes from, right? It's sort of that, that freedom and that innovation and, and the newness um, that propels us forward. But like you said, we want to make sure that we do it within a framework that allows us to still be safe to some extent. Um, but at the end of the day, it all comes down to the individual. And no matter what we write down or whatever we say we'll do, 
unless there's that self-awareness and the ability to be fluid, as you said, but still be aware and continue kind of that process with that, uh, you know, inherent awareness, you're not going to have good security. You're not going to have good privacy. You're not going to have good brand awareness um, and safety awareness in in the digital space or anything else, which seems to be all the more important these days, um, especially in an area that you have a background in, which is AI. And I'm thinking a lot about sort of, you know, the biases that we're introducing into AI. And it seems like there's such a wonderful opportunity for awareness and mindfulness to be brought into that space so that we're doing things in a way that we're not going to be regretting 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it it is through that. It is through really, I would say, a contemplative mindset, a reflective mindset, which is actually natural. It's not something not natural. It's when, when we relax out of our, our beliefs and biases, we, we never, we're never going to get rid of them, nor are we going to know all of them. You know, there's on the, on the internet, you know, there's a whole list of them, but you can't ever remember all of them. But with a, with a self-awareness, mindfulness practice, you, you can start to see the nuances of yourself. Yeah. And then that's where the biases won't have such an impact on the system because you're noticing it for yourself. You're noticing your own bias. Yeah. And then that's where there's freedom. And, and in, particularly in artificial intelligence, because it's changing so quickly, yeah, we actually do need to slow down and see how, see how we, what we are putting into the system. You know? And, and when, I, when I, uh, I studied at Sussex University, and their motto was know thyself as a university. And I, that was a most, one of the most impactful lectures I had was when they talked about the motto of the university. Because uh, AI is really, you know, AI is about knowing yourself. And so is leadership. That's a good point. Um, That's actually an excellent point. So know thyself. You know, one of the challenges I think that most organizations have is knowing themselves and really kind of looking inward. It's very much usually an outward, what can we produce? What can we deliver um, perspective, right? And so I'm wondering how, you know, a lot of people might say, oh, mindfulness, oh, deliberate kind of thought, uh, knowing ourselves, being aware, you know, those all sound like really good things. And I, I can't imagine anybody sort of challenging those as good principles, but bringing them into the workplace. I think a lot of times people might look at us and say like, oh, you know what, Th- that's something that maybe people in California practice. Um, how do you get people to actually you know, become aware of the fact that, no, this is not sort of a one-off thing that people need to do. This is something everybody needs to do. It needs to be inherent in all of us, regardless of whether we're an AI-focused organization, whether we're a nonprofit, you're a governmental or non-governmental entity. Really having that awareness and mindfulness and enabling our people is a good thing. How do you actually make that business case? Usually, uh, Usually, I'm focusing on continuous change. Because uh, that's the big thing. How, how fast can you respond to market? Yeah. And if you're coming from a fixed mindset, you're coming from your, your own limitations, then your ability to change is very limited. Yeah. Because you're always thinking in the same way. Your, your ability to, have, uh, to um, respond to change very quickly, and that's what mindfulness will allow you to do, even though it slows you down, gives you amazing impact. Yeah. And, you know, the only the, the thing for me, which is important for me to say as a, as a mindfulness practitioner, uh, is that uh, also it needs, with, it needs an ethical framework so that, you know, the organization themselves can't be just adapting their um, staff to organizational stress. Right? So you have to look at the wider context. If there's too much stress within the organization, yes, you can make somebody mindful, but that doesn't really help the situation. 
So it need, it's it's a it's a mutual thing, and uh, certainly within um, uh, more agile organisations, it's easier to respond to in that. But in the more traditional uh, uh, organisations, it, it takes a th- you know you have to really think about this. Want to know more about digital policy and how to minimize risk and maximize opportunity for your organization? Get the Power of Digital Policy book available on Amazon. And so do you find that it's a lot easier kind of to start the transformation within an organization, working with individual teams that are more agile, perhaps working on a very specific focus, like uh, maybe an aspect of software or, you know, a new machine learning aspect? Or is it best to start from the top, sort of the board of directors, the executives? Yeah, thank you for saying this. So my passion and my personal uh, drive since, since stopping being a monk has been working with leadership. I really don't think that you can have the impact, and certainly it's the stories that I read, even within agile organisations, that you can have the sort of um, the impact that you can have through the power of agile and these other frameworks, Scrum and Kanban, without uh, effective leadership. You know, uh, whether it's distributed or whether it's uh, whether it's a still uh, some degree top down, and that's why I've focused with um, um, uh, executives, and that's what I've been doing lately in one company. In, in England is just really helping this executive to get familiar with the language and, and find an organic way to do it. Not really, we're not following the textbook of agile per se. Yeah. But giving that language like cross-functional teams, uh, um, get, getting feedback from staff, you know, all, all these things that are, are fantastic within the agile framework and then passing that down. And because he has such an impact on so many staff, um, uh, you know, already you can see shifts in the organization training his senior staff team so that they can pass it down and so on. And so then it starts to leach into an organization. There's also other ways of doing it as well, which is um, uh, uh, bottom up by creating really good, strong peer support groups. Yeah. But it still needs the, the, the blessing, if you like, from, from the top, because otherwise there's always going to be some type of conflict. Yeah. You know, like we want it done one way and then, uh, you know, no, no, we should do it the other way. And there was a, there was a big thing on LinkedIn the other week. Uh, that I read about, you know, where uh, um, leaders, you know, are telling techies what to do, you know, but the tech, but 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 the the tech people also know what to do, and then because there's no communication, you just get conflict again. So you're still back in the same situation. So through self-awareness, you know, and mindfulness, you can you can make it um, uh, easier to communicate. And my own fra- my own personal framework is that. Um, I don't focus so much on on um, like using mindfulness just as one thing. I have a, a more of an integrated framework, which is uh, the first thing is to explore, explore really what's going on between you and others, and the second one is play to make it really playful, and that's where joy comes, and it doesn't become such a, such an ABC approach. And then the third the third one is really is love, and that's you really need to be kind to yourself in the process. Because if there's no kindness, change is just too difficult to do. That's why people rarely resist. You know, you get into, uh, you know, all the other biases, confirmation biases. You know, you don't want to change and all the rest of it. But if you make it playful, you learn, learn way much quicker. Yeah. 
You know, so to me, I'm, I'm just really excited because you're talking a lot about um, the principles that I think are so challenging in an organization, right? Change management, helping people understand that it's okay, that they're going to be okay on the other side of this journey, right? That it's it can be fun. It can be, cha- uh, it can be challenging in a positive way, right? Because right. it's something that we can embrace, we can adjust to. And it's it's really the new way of working, isn't it? Totally. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and if organizations uh, are not moving in that direction, yeah they've got limited shelf life. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that's sort of interesting too, because I think you're right, right? We see a lot of people who just refuse to change. Um, and maybe you're seeing more of those pockets in, in certain areas than others, but, um, this is sort of the new way of working, isn't it? It is. I mean, I live in the Netherlands and you see it here a lot now, you know, the, the, the and there's, there's so many, uh, tech, co- so many tech companies here and this shift towards, uh, self-organization next stage organizations you know, personal development, you know, I mean, what packages do you see where there isn't, you know, personal development? Why would that be? Because it's really important. You know, uh, if you want to be uh, more effective, you want to get, you know, your, the results, more creativity, you have to develop yourself in some way or another, you know, whether it's through mindfulness or whatever technique you find, whatever approach you find, but it's to really reflect uh, and inquire. And the, and the other important area that goes with this is actually rest which we never really talk about because that's a bit of a, you know, well, we shouldn't talk about rest, but rest is really powerful. You know, like they, they've done this research on say like Marines, yeah, where they've gone away on a mission and they've measured their testosterone level between, you know, going and coming back. And when they come back, they, they're wiped, you know, the testosterone levels is really low. So what do they do? They rest, you know? And so we don't have these cycles put into our work situation. It's becoming a little bit more familiar but rest is so important. It stops burnout, you know, and rest is part of mindfulness. Mindfulness being aware of that you are tired, you know, that you have worked and that, you know, worked hard and then to find the rhythm in work, you know. So that's sort of interesting too, because it seems like that's also tied very much and very close, I guess, to cultures. And so you've worked with people of, you know, different backgrounds and different parts of the world uh, doing different things. It's almost as if you've been a part of this global enterprise and visited many local markets. So you have this wealth and breadth of, of experience. I'm wondering, you know, what are the things you have learned from these different experiences? Um, you know, how does that align that rest in that, I guess, sort of understanding of what is it that we need to think and be and and breathe in order to be successful? And especially, you know, do you see some of that being helpful to perhaps teams that are working in a global enterprise where they're kind of working cross-culturally? Is there sort of a balance or is there sort of a underlying tone that can be brought so that, you know, whether you're in the UK, whether you're in the Netherlands, whether you're in Japan, you're in the US or you're in Mexico or you're in Korea, you know, you have a way of working that transcends those cultural or, or global kind of in local norms? Wow. Great question. So, you know, I, I guess, I mean, it's the, the, it's the question even outside the context of what we're talking about. It's also in terms of the way society is moving itself, but isn't it interesting that technology is actually allowing cultures to come together? You know, so I, I mean, I've given quite a few uh, talks here in the in the Netherlands where there's a uh, uh, thirty different nationalities in the room, and um, and uh, and how co- how can we come together as uh, as a group of people is again through uh, through respect, and how do we how do we uh, be respectful to one another, and that's by communicating by having conversations, so having uh, 
you know, we are conversational beings. We're relational beings. And this is, this is hugely important. Our nervous system is wired for relationships. And when we don't have that, yeah, then we get into problems. And so the, the way that we can really work together cross-culturally is by developing relationships. You know, in some ways, it's not even rocket science. And, and a good way of doing that is by having really good questions, right? by being open and willing to discover about your scale, yourself, discover about other people, and respect other people when they're not willing to do that as well, so that you, get, you start to generate a field of belonging, of care, of community. You know, and, um, and I, I think deep down we all want this. You know, why is it that we're on Facebook all the time? Why is it we're on LinkedIn all the time? Because those systems, yeah, allow us, but they don't allow us to, to be as humans, to, be, to really connect to each other as humans. So, you know, and we, we, we thrive, I think, this is my, my view, we thrive on, on, on meeting, yeah, on meeting ourselves, even if it's through like Zoom, like what we're doing now. You can still do that. I'm, I work with a lot of my clients through Zoom. Yeah, some I've not even met, you know, if they're in America or Australia or wherever. But uh, the connection is still there. Yeah, so that, and uh, when, we, when we get beyond and an, an underneath culture, you know, there's a rich level of humanness. That's what connects us. You know, that's what will, uh, you know, ultimately brings us peace. And of course, you will get conflict. You know, when I lived in a monastery, I also lived with, you know, I don't know, 25 different nationalities, you know, uh, Eastern, Eastern Europe, Western Europe, uh, Af South Africa, America, you know, and, um, and uh, we had to, to learn the skills, even in the monastery, we had to learn the skills of being able to communicate. So we learned practical skills, like I, I've learned NBC, nonviolent communication, because it's an excellent way of being able to uh, share what's going on for you and to connect with another person. Um, and so then we can ask, you know, so what is this in your culture? You know, how, how do you do this? Right. And that always breeds respect. I, I, yeah. You know, I think I started this conversation, Amarantha, with a, a comment to you that you've been very impactful to me and we've never met in person. Um, but, you know, and so I think that, that just proves your point, right? Technology does enable us to connect on a human level, regardless of where we are in the world. And there's so much to be learned, um, you know, and taught at the same time. And so uh, definitely a lot of things to think about and you know, I think from a policy perspective, one of the things that I hope that people will take away from this conversation, although there's a lot of nuggets um, and thank you for sharing those today. But, you know, one of the things that I, I firmly believe that they can take away from it is that notion that, you know, policies are there almost as guardrails. And within that, we're humans. Uh, we have a way of being and working. And it's about being deliberate and mindful and kind. And when you bring that into the workplace and into the digital world, goodness and creativity and innovation can come of it but you have to have that point of view and i think be open as you said and start to kind of breed that i don't want to call it a methodology um, but it's almost a methodology right you know there's a mindset there in terms of being open and uh and being deliberate and being kind of thoughtful absolutely you could say it's an attitude you take towards life oh i love that that's great well if people wanted to find out more about you or if there's some resources that you would like to share where would you point people to uh yeah to my to either they can find me on linkedin under amaranato or they can find me on my website uh playfulmonk.net so that's my brand playful monk awesome thank you and and if 
And if people really, I mean, you know, I always, you know, I, I always like to say, you know, if you wanted to do two things today that are going to make a difference, um, what are the two things that you would say to people to do differently um, so that at the end of the day, they can feel more comfortable? Pause and rest. Those are awesome. Amaranto, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today and telling us how we can stay mindful while awakening our true potential to do great work and have fun while doing it. For everyone who's listening, if you would like more information on Amaranto's methodology, please visit his website, which is linked to from the episode notes. And thanks for listening and taking the time to catch the power of digital policy. If you're finding the podcast useful, or even if you have suggestions for future policy topics that you would like to hear covered, please leave a review on my website, kpodnat.com slash podcast. Until next time, be well and do great policy work. Thank you for joining the Power of Digital Policy. To sign up for our newsletter, get access to policy checklists, detailed information on policies, and other helpful resources, head over to thepowerofdigitalpolicy.com. If you get a moment, please leave a review on iTunes to help your digital colleagues find out about the podcast.